playing basketball at Syracuse University for several years was one of the highlights of my entire life. At 67 years of age, I can tell you there's probably no better several years than I can think of than those years I put together. I played my first two years at Syracuse, and then my junior year, actually the uh, coach at the time, Roy Danforth, who was an amazing man, offered me a scholarship for the last two years. And uh, he said, you know what, you are such a tenacious defensive player. You are an animal on offense. We need you badly in order to go ahead and push these new players coming in. And right away, there was a red flag, right? And I said, coach, what do you mean? He said, oh, SLE said, we've got the most amazing freshman coming in. You're going to be a junior. These guys are so far ahead of you, but I need you in practice because they're going to be facing tough defenders, but no one is tough as you. They're going to be facing guys that can really play, but you're going to push them to the limits. You are going to do it all for them. Are you in, So This is what you've wanted your whole life. You're from Syracuse to play another two years. Wouldn't that just make your life amazing? I said, Coach, it would. He said, there's only one catch. You'll rarely, if ever, get into a game. And I remember looking at that day, that, that opportunity, slipping out of my hands. And he said, what do you say, Essel, are you game? I said, Coach Danforth, I've, I've got to go think about this. He said, be here tomorrow at 2.30. And I went home that night and I had, oh my God, probably an eight-hour conversation with my roommate, Jake. We talked about the ups and downs, the benefits, the challenges. And I went the next day and Coach Danforth read it across my face. He said, you're not in. I said, Coach, I said, you know, it's full. I struggle with my studies. I said, it's 365 days basketball for me. It's 300 days uh, of studies. And I said, to know I'm never going to get in the game and to be there seven days a week and to try to struggle with my studies, I just can't do it. I don't think I'll graduate. So we talked for a few minutes, and then he just said, okay, I think it's time for you to leave. Now, that wasn't one of the greatest lessons I learned, but I share that as the beginning of this story to let you know that Many times, the goals that we have, the ultimate goals we have, will have a short lifespan. Nothing is permanent. I mean, Buddhism tells us that, right? Everything is impermanent. So my time on the court wasn't permanent, but the lessons I learned were permanent, extremely permanent. And some of these things that I'm going to say to you, especially in 2024, we're talking about not back in the 1970s. You know, the early 70s is when I played basketball at Syracuse. Uh, I think it was in 73, we went to the Final Four in San Diego uh, it was just an incredible, incredible couple of years. But lesson number one, I ended up loving and respecting black people more than you could have ever believed. You know, I was born in a white neighborhood, pretty much. We had several black players in high, in, in high school that I played against. In the summer league, I'd go to where the black players were playing because they were just so tenacious and it made me a better player, right? But being in a locker room, for two years, being around mainly black players for two years really opened my eyes. And I fell in love with all of them. I mean, my God, you know, and there was a, one of my roommates who's white, Cookie Man Snyder, uh, Michael Snyder. Uh, he and I just had a blast with these guys. Um, and Mike went to a mainly black basketball high school. He was one of the only white kids on the team, if I remember correctly. So he was always around black players. I was usually only around black players in the summertime during summer leagues. But it was an eye-opener. It was so phenomenal. And I had a great relationship with all of them. So lesson number one is that sports and playing sports is a great opportunity to be exposed to different cultures, different belief systems, um, different genders, different, different everything, you know. And I, I think that sports are a great teaching tool. And they can really help us harmonize with each other, regardless of race, regardless of anything. I think it's one of the greatest advantages that I got playing at Syracuse University, number one. Number two tenacity and the desire to never give up. When I went out to, to make the team, I was a walk-on. I did not have a scholarship coming in until my junior year when it was finally offered. 
But I walked in and I remember there was Coach Tommy Green and Mark Metters and a bunch of other guys, you know, and there were, I don't know, it was 200 guys, you know, trying out for the team. And there was only a couple slots open on the team. But I remember Tommy Green, who was my coach at the time, coming up to me and saying, you know, you are outrageously tenacious on defense. If you can keep this up, there's a chance you can make this team, which made me fly through the air, right? I was so excited that he had noticed a strength of mine. So what did that do? Oh, my God. It just drilled into me the need for me to be more determined, uh, to be more of a fighter, to have a greater belief in myself. And through playing at Syracuse University, that all came true. Oh, my God. You know, after I made the team, which was just incredible, but then playing on a regular basis against these high-caliber individuals where every game I had to put out 125%. You know, there are some individuals that were so gifted at my age in college that they could sort of cruise a little bit during the game. You know, they could play defense tough when they had to, and then they could sort of relax, and then on offense they could tear it up. With me, it was different. You know, my skills weren't as talented as many of the players, so my real gift was tenacity, was defensive tenacity, offensive tenacity. I remember I was called the biggest little rebounder in the East, and uh, Syracuse University back then was a member of the Big East Tournament. And I got that nickname, and even though I'm only 5'11", I loved battling for rebounds. And all of a sudden, I found out, number three, that you can often do things that you never thought you could if you'd put yourself in uncomfortable positions. So I knew for me to be able to have more playing time on the court, I had to be excellent at everything. I had to be excellent as a point guard, as a shooting guard. I had to be the shutdown defensive player for the best offensive player on the other team. I had to rebound, even though I'm only 5'11". You see, if you put all those factors together, then coaches have to play you, right? It was like one of the greatest lessons I ever learned. I said, oh my God, if I can really get down and dirty and during the offseason work with players 10 times better than me, when I come back, and that's what I did in between my freshman year or my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college, man, I just went to the courts with the nastiest players in the world. And I came out of there just outrageously aggressive, assertive, and it helped me with my confidence going into Syracuse University. And then the last component that I'm going to say, the last one of the most amazing gifts that I could ever receive out of playing at Syracuse University was that... Years and years later, I was asked to come back and do the motivational graduation ceremony, uh, the commencement speech at Syracuse University. That never would have happened if I didn't play basketball there. You know, I created a name for myself on the basketball court, uh, even though I only played two years. And when it came time to have a keynote address, I was contacted and I just went crazy. Now, outside of that, I got a chance to meet some of the most amazing players in the world, not just basketball, Floyd Little, who passed away two years ago one of the greatest running backs ever for the uh, uh, for Denver Broncos, NFL All-Pro running back. Oh, my God. You know, I, I met so many individuals like Floyd Little and Deborah, his wife, that it was an unbelievable experience. And I want to share this because a lot of what happened was my back was against the wall. I wasn't as gifted. I wasn't as talented. I wasn't as tall by any means, right? But when we are put in that position and we take advice from the coaches or your trainers or your personal coaches or your therapists and we do what we'd rather not do and we're given an opportunity but the bar is set really high, I want to tell you, you can meet that bar. You can match that bar. You can rise above that bar. But you have to know here first that you can do it. And then you've got to put it into action, nonstop action. I don't care if you're going after the job you've always wanted, the woman or man you've always wanted. Uh, if you're going after whatever it is, 
that's going to really make a difference in your life. Get in your attitude. Get in your mindset that this is yours already, that you own it. You're going to do whatever it takes to make this happen, to lose that weight, to get rid of that addiction, to save the relationship, to bond with your children because you've never bonded with them before. I mean, I can make analogies from sports to anything you might be going through, but it has to begin here with a determination that nothing is going to stop you from accomplishing that goal. Once you do that and put it into action, the most incredible things will happen in your life. If I can help you at all to become more determined, more disciplined, more organized, more focused, uh, helping you to find what are those goals I really want to accomplish in life, reach out to me at talkdavid.com. We have specials right now with the inflation to help individuals that are struggling financially. There's five books on the website for free that can help you as well. I'm in your corner. David Essel here, wishing you an amazing day.